Just how bad has COVID-19 hit the Pittsburgh Penguins? And do the Penguins still have enough firepower to overcome that against the Wild on Saturday? We find out today on Locked on Wild. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a special crossover edition of Locked On Wild and Locked On Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making both Locked On Wild and Locked On Penguins your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, both shows are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins, we will preview the matchup between the Wild and the Penguins on Saturday night, gearing up with everything you need to know heading into the matchup between these two teams. We'll talk about the COVID-19 situation ongoing with the Penguins, as well as how these teams stack up head-to-head. My name is Seth Topal, host of Locked on Wilds, veteran Minnesota sports content producer with over a decade of experience under my belt. And I'm joined by the host of Locked on Penguins, Hunter Hodes. Hunter, what's happening? How are things going? Not too bad, man. You know, I know it's a perfect late evening on Thursday while we're doing this, but, you know, I'm always a night owl, so yep. I don't it doesn't phase me at all, so... I feel like being a member of, especially during the season, being a member of the media, like you, you kind of have to be uh, in order to get through the season unscathed. Yeah. And so, you know, late nights, late nights are no stranger to either of us. But as we said in the open, um, these two teams are going to square off on Saturday. So I wanted to get a little intel ahead of the matchup uh, against Pittsburgh because for the first time, this year, well, actually, it'll be the second time for the Wilds, but first time in over a year going up against an Eastern Conference opponent. And so why don't we dive right in? We'll start with, obviously, the biggest news for Pittsburgh is continuing to deal with COVID-19. So, Hunter, just get us up to speed. What is the latest with the Penguins uh, dealing with COVID-19? Just how shorthanded are they going to be uh, for Saturday's game? Yeah, they'll be... Pretty shorthanded, I would say. Sidney Crosby is not going to play. He has symptoms. Brian Dumoulin is not playing. Marcus Pedersen is probably not going to play. Trevor Weedle is probably not going to play. Mike Sullivan will not be behind the bench. That came out on Thursday. He now has it. Um, and this is coming off of Jake Gensel had it to open the season. Chris Letang just came back actually on Thursday from having it. Jeff Carter had it. And Zach Aston Reese had it. Um, this was something that you probably – would have seen last year considering, you know, with outbreaks and everything, um, did not expect to see a widespread outbreak this year, um, you know, when the whole team was fully vaccinated. But you know what? You know, that's what happens sometimes with this whole thing. So, um, you know, you're – it's just – it's an unfortunate circumstance. But, you know, they're, they've been able to bank as many points as they can, which is – it's a miracle that they have considering, you know, they're also battling injuries with Brian Rust and getting Malkins out for at least one more month, though he's been continuing to really ramp up his skating. Um, but, yeah, it has been a mess um, with mostly COVID but injuries as well. Um, 
it is basically turned into a myth um, of if the Penguins will get healthy. It's not a matter of when. It's just an if at this point. Jeez, there is nothing worse. And, you know, the Wild went through this last year where they had, I think, almost two full weeks of games that were fully postponed and yeah. then came back and caught lightning in a bottle after that. So hopefully the Penguins have um, a lesser extent, but uh, just a more gradual um, run in with COVID here this year. And you mentioned Chris Letang. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he had or assisted on the game winning goal uh, coming back off of the COVID 19 list, did he not? Yeah, he comes back from COVID first game, uh, plays 30 minutes, and uh, scores the game winning goal just because wow. that's just who Chris Letang is. And <laughs> uh, it was a bit of a the parallax angle came in. I know some people probably don't, you know, have not heard the parallax stuff just because of the puck completely crossing the line and all that. But um, they were able to, the ref were able to review it, and the puck completely crossed the line from Carter Hart, and the Penguins ended up winning in overtime. They probably should have won that game in regulation if it weren't for a Mike Matheson turnover. But yeah, Chris Letang is his legend only continues to grow as he continues to have his tenure here. Just a magnificent performance from him coming off um, COVID. Before we kind of open it up to some wild questions as well, just from the Pittsburgh side, you mentioned all the injuries and now COVID-19 um, being at the forefront. What has been because Pittsburgh is off to a relatively good start. What has been kind of the saving grace of the team so far this season? I would say it's kind of, you know, two facet. Um, Tristan Jari has silenced, you know, me and I think a lot of other people in the fan base. Um, you know, I've said this on my shows probably a thousand times at this point. They're going to get sick that I'll say this again. You're not going to write a redemption story after a month of playing, especially after what happened in the playoffs. But, you know, I think people can take a minute and exhale a little bit just because he's not really making you hold your breath while he's playing. You know, he, he was honestly, I think, the biggest reason why they beat Philadelphia on Thursday. He has, I believe, a 935 save percentage in, his, in four or five of his last starts. Top 10 in goals saved above expected. Um, he is off to a great start this season and is, you know, I think, again, shutting up a lot of people, you know, myself included. They're getting a lot of depth scoring this year, which was a big question mark, I think, from some people. Danton Heinen had four, has four goals. He had seven in 56 games for Anaheim last year, already has four and nine for the Penguins. Uh, Ever Rodriguez has a few. Brock McGinn has a few. Um, Teddy Bluger has also scored a bit. You know, they're, they're doing this with Jake Gensel, who usually you can pencil in for – 30, 35 goals a season. He only has two right now because wow. he's been pretty snake bitten. Um, Gasperi Kapanen has not really scored. So they've been doing this a lot with, you know, their depth scores. And, you know, again, that was a big question mark coming into this season. But, you know, with how they've been able to perform, this team can honestly run 14, 15 forwards deep. Again, if they ever somehow are not sick or not injured. Um, but I think those have been the two main things this year. And then of course, you know, Mike Sullivan has done a magnificent job um, coaching the squad. Yeah. As, as somebody who has two players that I would say are very snake bitten in Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala with a goal piece, I can definitely appreciate having some of the players uh, a little lower on the, uh, the team rankings step up and uh, provide the scoring. So uh, glad to hear at least uh, despite some of the uh, the external things with injuries and COVID that uh, the Penguins are able to get 
some uh, some good play from some guys that we maybe didn't expect coming into the season. Uh, let's expand the discussion and I'll give you the opportunity to ask a couple of wild questions uh, before we move to looking at how these two teams stack up head to head. We will continue the Locked on Wild, Locked on Penguins crossover after this. It is Thanksgiving season and that means it is pie season. And so if you are a fan of pies like I am, uh, you can look for plenty of ways to try to cut a couple of calories and still get those delicious tastes as well. And I'm here to tell you that Built Bar is the way to do it. Built Bars are super healthy. They contain only 130 calories and just four grams of sugar a piece compared to a slice of pie, which can have upwards of 300 calories. Yes, I know. They taste delicious, but at the same time, you can have one Built Bar for roughly a third of what you get in a slice of pie. So you can replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar, or you can go the raspberry route instead of a piece of raspberry pie. There are plenty of great flavors to replace those sweets you love. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bar is a great option not only to replace those dinner sweets, but also when you are on the go. It'll be a great option for Thanksgiving and for the Christmas season as well. So make sure to put a couple in your favorite relative's stockings because if you love Built Bar, they will as well. So head to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Continuing the Locked On Wild, Locked On Penguins crossover episode. Seth Topol joined by Hunter Hodes and thank you for making both Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins your first listen every day. Hunter, let's get a little wild. And so I will flip it and give you the opportunity to ask a couple of questions so that the Penguins audience can get a little more familiar with how the Wild have been doing so far this year. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I think they've played pretty well out of the gate from at least from, you know, the highlights I think that I've seen coming across my Twitter feed. They've won, I believe it's what, six out of their first nine games. Yep. I'm not going to make that joke. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I have noticed, you know, I think it was Kaprizov had his first goal. Well, I want to say it was the overtime winner, right, that he finally was able to, you know, break that door open and hopefully the floodgates start to come um, for him there. Um, just, you know, what is plagued? I mean, well, I shouldn't even say it's a slow start just because he's basically been a point-per-game player. Yep. He's had a lot of assists. Um, has it just been mainly bad luck with Kaprizov not finishing a lot of these chances? It sounds like he's been, you know, on the plus side, you know, if you, with the underlying numbers and everything. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a weird start to the season for Kaprizov just because I think we are seeing a tangible increase in the amount of attention he's drawing from opposing teams. I mean, even on some of his. Um, just getting the puck into the opposing zone. There are constantly two players that meet him as soon as he enters into the zone, just to try to take him off the play and try to take him off his, his game. Teams are way more physical with him this year, which has led to him getting frustrated and trying to kind of dish it back. Uh, So he has taken a little bit of an increase in penalties so far this year. And I think we have seen a little bit of line inconsistencies 
uh, so far this year. Uh, the Wild tried to have Jewel Erickson Eck be the center on his line, which produced a sensational game against the Winnipeg Jets. But beyond that, uh, performances have been very uneven. And so we saw in the game uh, against Ottawa, we saw the Wild go to uh, Freddie Goudreau on Kaprizov's line, a former Penguin. And um, the results were way better. Goudreau, I think, is a, a really good fit. And Ryan Hartman was on the other end um, of that line. And it just seemed like things opened up for Kaprizov. He um, was able to get the game winner. Obviously, that was thanks to, you know, three on three in overtime. But I think it's been a combination of factors. Uh, I, you know, it's been a struggle for me to to say that he's slumping just because the guy motors all the time. And even if he's not directly involved in the play, he's still moving around trying to make things happen. And so hopefully, you know, it was just a case of weird puck luck. We've had a ton of that this year. And that, you know, a goal against Ottawa can turn into six goals in the next, like, four games, something like that. And then everything will be just fine and we'll be able to move on from it. I think he's totally fine. I think Fiala is totally fine as well. Uh, the scoring chances are just inevitably going to to be there if those guys continue to do what they've done so far this year. Yeah, I mean, that's what usually happens, I would say. You know, especially for any great player, you know, the puck is going to find the back of the net. Sooner rather than later, you know, you saw Jake Ensel, or what we talked about earlier, he finally found the back of the net after so many games while having like 60, 65% of the scoring share. And, um, you know, just r- running into hot goalies sometimes, puck doesn't go in. You know, people always overreact, but, you know, yeah. again, it, it'll always go in. Um, you know, Freddie Goudreau, you know, obviously we know him very well. Um, I think some of the Pens fans were definitely sad to see him go just because how good he was here um, as a fourth liner. I you know I think he had um, one or two playoff goals, but also when, you know, he was brought up from Wilkes-Barre, just added a spark to that bottom six that didn't exist before. So, you know, I think, you know, I and a lot of other Penguins, you know, a lot of people, the people that watch the team can are very happy that – he is playing well because, you know, I thought we were going to resign him, but then I saw the contract that he got and it was just like, I guess that was too rich because they went after a couple other um, players. So um, another player I've always been a fan of, Seth, uh, Joel Erickson, you know, one of my favorite two-way players to watch in this league. Um, the Selkie Trophy probably has his name calling at some point when Patrice Bergeron retires. <laughs> um, but um, just – he signed obviously that huge contract over the offseason. I want to say it was eight years, four to five million per. It was yep. it, the, the, the term was a lot, but it's worth it when you have an AAV below six. Um, he's going to be, I think, a steal throughout that deal. And I believe it was this offseason, correct? Yes. And it was when the f- report first came out that uh, that Eric Sinek was working on an extension. I think the extension was signed within three days. Like it was very quick. And you look at what Eric Snack brings to the table. He is a upper echelon, maybe near the top of the list in terms of defensive forwards and or centers in the entire NHL. He is an Uber pest to play against. And he continues to, um, he continues to make that more of a thing this year, which is fun to watch from my perspective. And he's added the goals. And now this year he, um, he had his first career hat trick 
against the Winnipeg Jets. And as I alluded to earlier, there's been a little bit of some inconsistencies amongst those lines. So we've seen some shakeups um, to just try to spring the offense. Uh, I worked great against Ottawa with um, Eric Zanek centering Marcus Foligno and Kevin Fiala. I think that'll be a line combo we see going forward. And, you know, he just he does a lot of really, really good things for this team. And is he a true top center? Maybe not, but he's a really, really solid number two center for this team. And once they find whoever that top center is, whether it be Marco Rossi or otherwise, um, he is going to be a problem and he continues to be a problem as it is, but he's going to be a problem because then all of that top line center pressure will be taken off of him and he will just, uh, <laughs> we'll, edit, we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. He'll just become, he'll just become even more of a force as a two center than he is currently as a one center. So he just, just continues to do a lot of really, really good things and, um, if there was any fear about regression coming into this year, I think he has pretty effectively quieted that so far. Yeah, you know, again, you know, he's always been just a fun player to watch on both ends of the ring because, you know, he has a lot of chances on the offensive side, but then he doesn't give a lot back, which is just, you know, that's what makes a, an elite center um, in this league. Obviously, you know, with Minnesota, you can't talk about them and not mention the defense just because they've always been one of the stingiest teams. Honestly, I think going way back um, with, you know, they always had that top four. Um, that was, uh, I know they, I know, I know they, they lost um, Suter, of course, to free yep. agency. He was part of, you know, that amazing top four, but that said, man, you still have Matt Dumba. You still have Jonas Brodeen. I know he's kind of gotten a bit older, but you know, I think he's still an effective player. Jared Spurgeon, I will I will always say, is arguably the best defensive defenseman in this league. He always has some of the best underlying numbers in the defense zone. I think his expected goals against or something, or expected chances against, is always among one of the league's leaders. Yep. Um, I know you have John Merrill, um, old friend Kalen Addison, I believe, was called up just recently. Of course, that was in the Jason Zucker trade, who is having a little bit of a redemption season so far for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, how has that group been? I also noticed that, um, Dmitry Kulikov is still there. You know, that's always yep. been a player that's kind of been a bit weird because most of his career, it's not been as good, but then he also has spurts where it's like, wow, like where did this come from? You know, you know, just, you know, like some other players who don't usually get the results at times, but you know, this is going to be, I think a matchup for the penguins that it's going to be hard to score against, especially if Ken Talbot, you know, plays like he did last year because the wilds defense, they're just so, they're so stingy and they don't give a lot in the defensive zone. Yeah. And you know, you talked about Kulikov and he is having one of those stretches so far with the wild, his metrics are near the top of the list. Um, in terms of um, a, f- a friend of the uh, the show, friend of Lockdown Wilds, one of the other podcast hosts here in Minnesota, actually put his numbers together, and he is leading in, and I forget the exact category, but in five-on-five even-strength situations with a minimum of like 100 minutes played on the year, he is number one in a couple of different categories, and I, I think it's expected goals for percentage, I think is the one. But you look at that 
And not only is this defense really good at shutting down opponents and preventing um, opportunities, these guys are getting involved offensively too. And we had against the Ottawa Senators, every single defenseman had at least one shot on goal. And I think every single defenseman had at least one point in the game. And so those guys are getting involved on the back end, and that is making this team just even more of an offensive nightmare than it was even last year. Uh, the the numbers in terms of possession for the Wild so far have been ridiculous. Um, you look at uh, against the Senators, the Wild had um, a shot attempt advantage going into overtime against the Senators of 74 to 41. And the shots on goal in the third period was something like 17 to one in favor of the Minnesota wild. Somehow they didn't score, but um, you know, sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the goalie, but not only are these guys doing everything that we knew that they could do defensively, but they're getting involved offensively as well, which is taking pressure off of Capriza Fiala as those guys get going this year. And so, they're putting everything out there on the ice. So it's been a really fun unit to watch and um, it just makes this team even more dangerous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, they're always, you know, I, I guess they're, I know they're not like a mistress team for me that the album could claiming that for Dom, that that's it from the <laughs> athletic, that that's, that's his stuff. Um, but you know, that's always been, you know, one of their biggest strengths. It's just, you know, their team defense and, you know, that's been going back, I think, you know, even before the Bruce Boudreaux era, I want to yep. say it was the Mike Yo era where um, they were always good in the defensive zone just because of um, how the team was set up to succeed. Obviously, they've added more scoring to the lineup. Um, one more that I got for you. Sure. Um, has Nick Bukestad been a lot better this year? Just because with Pittsburgh, it was always that he couldn't stay healthy because we knew the talent was there from him. I also personally think Jerry McCann was – a better fit for that center spot than him but for whatever reason it just couldn't come together but from what i've seen at least i think stats wise he's been better this season and i'm very happy for him um, i know the penguins didn't get a lot back from him in that trade but his value was also so low it couldn't honestly couldn't have been lower but um it sounds like that he's playing a lot better this year yes he is playing way better this year and i think that stems from having a fully healthy offseason. He had the uh, the surgery um, in the offseason in which he was traded to the Wild, and so he came into the year having had to deal with that. And so it took him a while to get going, and he had a couple of nice flashes. Um, but, you know, I was critical of his performance last year. Uh, with the team, and now this year he has looked really good. And you're on a line with two guys in Nico Sturm and Brandon Duhame that are speedsters. Like those guys can get down the ice in a hurry and he is keeping up and he is helping push the pace on that line with those guys, that line, which now due to, you know, COVID-19 having taken Matt Zuccarello out of the lineup has been elevated to the third line. But that line with Sturm, Duhame, and Bugstad has been the best line for the Wild so far this year. And they really took it to the Senators um, as well as basically they have played 
pretty much all season. And so he is a huge part of that. Like it's, it's not a situation where we've seen in the past, you have two really good players on the line and then you have kind of an anchor. He, he is doing just as much as those guys are uh, on that line, which has been just really fun to see. Cause as you said, you know, he's a fun player to root for obviously being a Minnesota guy. Um, it's fun to see him have success. And so that, that has been one of the fun parts of the year for me is to just see him do his thing and, uh, and to really have that pay dividends has been just a blast. Yeah. I think, you know, every Penguins fan when he was here was rooting for him just because he couldn't stay healthy, you know, and when he was healthy, you could see that the talent was there just because he was such a big body and he would go to the net a lot. It was just be, you know, he, he'd come in for a couple games and then exit the lineup. It would just be like, okay, what, what's going on here? Right. Um, I think though, Seth, you know, outside of all those, um, I, I might be out of questions. I, I don't all really, right. you know, I know Matt Zuccarello is is hurt. I think he's, he's. You said he's banged up. Is there any update there with that? Is he is he expected to play on Saturday or is he out longer term? Uh that's a good question. It actually is COVID uh, nineteen oh. that has taken him oh. out of the lineup, and <laughs> so it's it was Matt Zuccarello. It was also Rem Pitlick who uh, was uh, was claimed off of the Nashville Predators roster before the season started. So those two have been dealing with COVID-19, but I think they are getting close to being able to play. And so if they don't play on Saturday, I would not be surprised if maybe they are activated for Sunday's game. Um, But they're getting close. And uh, the question now just becomes, are they going to be able to have negative tests? Did they have symptoms? We don't really know uh, some of that stuff. So... um, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I have not heard any in, uh, update yet as to Zuccarello's status, but that'd be a big boost if he is able to come back uh, for the Wilds against the Penguins. But we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And so, hey, see, I've, been, I've been so caught up with uh, with all my codes for the Penguins. <laughs> I, I have I just haven't like I guess paid attention to it. Um, he was having I think a good year before he had COVID as well. So especially he needs to with that huge contract that he yeah. signed. With Minnesota, I mean that's a boatload of cash. I would say that's coming his way. And you know, when you when you're paid like that, you're expected to reduce, even though you're in your what early thirties, right? At that point. So, um, yeah, did not know that he was in COVID. Apologize for that, but you know, I hope that he is back for that game, just because he's always been a fun player to watch, even going back to his Ranger days, even. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. We'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's wrap things up. Uh, we have uh, one more. Um, break here, but we will finish up our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins next. BetOnline.ag is back and they are better than ever. They offer a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code Locked On to receive that welcome bonus. They offer everything from basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins, the crossover edition, previewing Saturday's matchup between 
the Wild and the Penguins. Thank you for making both Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins your first listen every day. And Hunter, just to uh, wrap things up here today for this matchup, obviously, a couple of things from the Wild perspective that concern me that I'll throw out, and uh, and you can just kind of counter with how the Penguins handle that situation. One of the biggest things that I think is key for the Wild is the slow start. This team has a tendency to kind of sleepwalk through the early part of the game. They either look lights out. It's either lights out or it's listless. And so, you know, a good indicator for this team, how they're going to do is, uh, is how they play in the first, you know, five or 10 minutes of the game. For Pittsburgh, has that been a concern for them this season or have the Penguins been able to, uh, to get off to good starts in, uh, in most of their games so far this year? So, so this is funny. So one of the good friends of the Lockdown Penguins podcast, Jesse Marshall, he writes for The Athletic. He always has this saying, you know, you can tell how the Penguins are going to play for the most part or how the game is going to go with how they look in the first five to ten minutes. And you look at how they forecheck. Um, most nights, you know, they're forechecking pretty hard, especially with um, all these players out due to COVID and injuries. Some nights – it's a little restless, you know, on Thursday night, for example, they came out flying those first five, six minutes. It's like, okay, you could kind of tell how that one was going to go. They kind of got caved in the rest of that third period. Tristan Jari had to bail them out, but then rebounded in the second. It was kind of a chaotic game overall, but you know, there's, you know, the Tampa Bay game, for example, um, opening night, those first five, 10 minutes, honestly, the whole game, Tampa had no ice to work with. Those are really the big indicators of, okay, this is, going to be a win or you know if they're not forechecking as hard um it's probably not going to turn up as it goes on that's just that's just how it is i think for this team so it is a little similar um so i think with the way they come out forechecking like i said just watch the first five ten minutes that's going to be i think the key with pittsburgh winning this game you know it's at home which helps they've this hasn't been an eight game homestand something that wow i don't think that's ever happened at pvg paints arena i guess just is how this the schedule uh turned out but then they have 12 of their next 16 on the road so it just evens all out after that but um they'll be fired up for this one they're coming off a big win against the flyers um you know even though there's a western conference team coming in um they're, they're gonna want to try to bank as many points as possible. So I'm not too concerned with a slow start. I think it'll be fine with that. I'm concerned with, you know, I think there's been a lot of defensive lapses lately that have kind of concerned me at the beginning of the season, the first few games, you weren't seeing many of those, but the last few have been giving up too many odd man rushes, some bad pinching at times, which is leading to Tristan Jari having to bail out his d- defensive forwards. So um, if the Penguins can clean that up, they should be in better shape. And the, uh, the Wild are not a team you want to give a lot of odd man rushes to, I wouldn't say, especially with a player like Kaprizov on the other side. And, right. You know, you got, obviously, Bukestad's had a good start, and, you know, Eric Sinek and all those players. So, um, that I think is my main concern going into this. You just got to clean up the, the plays in the defensive zone, you know, make sure they're forechecking the first five to 10 minutes. Um, you know, maybe, maybe this will be the game as well that Kasperi Kaplan decides to come out of the gulag a little bit. So <laughs> we'll just have to see what happens there. Uh, the other one I wanted to ask about to wrap up is uh, special teams, power play, penalty kill. Um, Power play obviously misses Matt Zuccarello a ton for the Wild. It's been uh, a little bit of an issue uh, over the last couple of games, especially 
Uh, penalty kill has also been a problem this year, but I think the problem is more due to volume of penalty kills that have happened so far this season. The Wild have taken a ton of penalties so far. So that is obviously a point of concern for me as well. Um, how have things looked on the power play and the penalty kill for the Penguins so far? Well, the penalty kill is worlds better than last year. They, I believe they were bottom five in the league last year. A lot of that had to do um, with the unit, but also a lot of it had to do with Tristan Jari being one of the worst goalies against the, uh, the man advantage. I believe he was bottom five and goals saved above expected. Um, it was it was really bad. I think his save percentage was around there as well. This Ooh. season, both have rebounded, which you know they go together, right? So the the PK overall is number one in the league right now. I know they gave up a goal to Philadelphia on Thursday. That was just their second um, special teams goal given up in nine games. So they've been turning pretty well. Uh, Tristan Jari has been able to make some big saves on the main advantage. Um, it's really been night and day last year. That was, I think, one of the biggest concerns for fans coming into the season because, you know, they, they were able to score a little bit on the power play last year, but they would give it right back with uh, goals against on the PK. Sure. Just, you can't win a lot of games doing that. It was it was a problem going into the playoffs. I know the Islanders didn't have a good power play, but, I mean, it was still a problem that everyone saw. And, you know, they just – they were able to, I think, work some kinks out. It's looking a lot better this year. I really can't judge the power play too much, sadly, Seth. You're missing Evgeny Malkin. You're missing Sidney Crosby for most of your games. Brian Ross has been out for, I think, the last week and a half, though I think he's expected to come back soon. Don't think it's against the Wild. He's probably going to be close to full contact tomorrow, but I think Sullivan's going to want on him or the coaching staff is going to want him to do one more full contact after that. I was sure. expecting to see him next week. Um, you know, Jeff Carter's missed games. Jake Ensel's missed games. They have not had their full their full um, quintet, excuse me, on the top power play. So um, it struggled as expected, though. Um, but the PK has been really good, to say the least. Well. I, uh, I'm envious of that. So uh, we'll see what effect that will have, and uh, it should be a good matchup between these two teams. So uh, hopefully listeners got as much of a preview as they would like to get for Wild Penguins coming up on Saturday night. That will take us to the end of today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins. So now that your first listen is done for both shows, Make sure to head to Locked on NHL to get all of the NHL action you can possibly handle with recaps and other NHL news as well. Locked on NHL wherever you listen to podcasts. These shows are also wherever you listen to podcasts, so make sure to check out Locked on Wild and Locked on Penguins. We've got new episodes coming out every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.